Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Unpopular. I have a good show today because I got all up in one of my all-time favorite celebs, Pam Anderson. I adore Pamela Anderson and I have Shane Dawson back on the pod, YouTube royalty, internet icon, the most canceled man on YouTube. He is back. The first time he came on the pod, we talked about all this, you know, drama and stuff that he went through and how much we love Farrah Abraham because we're both big fans of Backdoor Teen Mum. And then I had him back to get into Pamela Anderson and we're both big fans of hers, but we were also like shook by her new Netflix documentary because she's the problem, okay? She's got a lot of issues and everyone's like, isn't this cute how like she gets married to all these guys and it's like, she's like Godzilla and like destroys their lives. Um, So we got into that and we also reviewed her iconic film, Barb Wire. That's one of my favorites. I had the VHS as a kid. And, you know, of course we talk about some other things and stuff. So this is a good one. I'm so behind on all of my TV because I was really like down the Pam rabbit hole over the last kind of two weeks. And then I was also prepping for another pod where I had to kind of research this Japanese idol group and watch a documentary about them and listen to all their music. That It was just a lot of work. And I'm behind on all of my shows. It sounds like all I do is watch TV, which is not true, which is why I'm like never up to date on anything. But I haven't watched the Vanderpump Rules premiere. I think I'm like one or two episodes behind on Last of Us. I haven't watched The Love is Blind after The Altar, which I am very, very excited for. I'm like really specifically like carving out some time so I can soak that one up because that's like my favorite reality show probably. I did watch The Housewives of New Jersey. I got into that on Patreon. Um, Spoiler alert, if you're not on Patreon, I said it was really boring, which it was, but I am going to keep talking about it throughout the season on Patreon because I am interested in the stuff going on around it, kind of like Teresa and Melissa are both on these publicity blitzes, and it's not just to like promote the new season, they're clearly trying to get their side of the story and their like sister-in-law feud out, and um, I think there's like a little bit of a conspiracy going on, and I have heard- I've heard some good tea, and I'm not going to say it exactly yet because I don't like to spread things unless I know for sure, unlike all these other stupid Bravo accounts that get one DM from an account with like three followers that they've never seen, and they're like, breaking news. But I think this tea that I got is legit, and I think it's going to make someone look really bad, and can't wait to spill it when I find out more so I can say I told you so guys I was right again um so we're investigating that of course I'll get into like Vanderpump rules and everything on there uh, I do a lot of the Bravo stuff on Patreon and thanks to actually my new peeps that have signed up uh Gary Josh Jennifer Ryan Rebecca Andre or Andrea don't know how to pronounce it sorry girl um Aaron Megan I think that's it probably thanked them last week anyway guys love the support you guys keep the lights on over here the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the episode is Rihanna at the Super Bowl obviously I watched it like everybody else um people are like shitting all over the performance I disagree um Okay, first of all, she was, like, very pregnant, so you're not going to be able to do as much while you're pregnant. And sidebar on the whole pregnancy thing, I thought we already knew that she was pregnant. I didn't realize this was, like, breaking news. I went on social media and it was like, Rihanna's pregnant, Rihanna's pregnant. Um, Another side note, actually, we're going down the tunnel. 
I'm so over the whole, like, news cycle of everyone having to break news. Like, I'll get the Rihanna's pregnant from Us Weekly or Page Six or Daily Mail or whatever. I don't need every single account and person that I follow to report that Rihanna's pregnant. It's okay. Like, calm down. You can make some better content. Like, at least add some kind of, like, commentary to it, although usually it's just some lame, like, rushed, you know, meme of, like, a you know, 50-50 split of, like, Rihanna and then, I don't know, someone else is pregnant. Like, remember when this person was pregnant? You know, like, you guys will just try to come up with, like, anything to make content. You don't all need to be the first to report it, especially if you're not adding any commentary, especially if there's not anything, like, to it. And I'm sure I do it too. So, let's just acknowledge that I'm a hypocrite and I attack people for things that I also do. I'm aware that I'm a hypocrite, but I just was kind of annoyed because I like was on social media today and I wasn't even on it that much, but like whenever I opened Instagram and stuff, every single account was just reporting that she was pregnant. I'm like, guys, calm down. And how is this news? Because I don't even like, I love her, but I don't, you know, follow her like personal life day to day kind of stuff. But I saw a clip a few days ago of her doing an interview to like promote her Super Bowl thing. And she had like chubby cheeks. I'm like, oh, she's pregnant. Like I just assumed like we all knew she was pregnant. Um, And usually the media, whenever it's like any female celebrity isn't wearing a crop top, the headline is, you know, she's pregnant, steps out hiding her baby bump underneath, you know, a sweater. And I feel like I didn't see any headlines like that. Is that like a PC thing where now it's like, oh, we better not say anything in case she's just fat. So let's just like ignore it. I don't know. But obviously she was pregnant and- Yes, at her Super Bowl halftime show, all she really did was, like, stand there and shake her ass a little bit. People said she lip-synced. Um, I don't- Okay, here's what she did, in my opinion, watching it. She definitely sung um, parts of it live, for sure. But then it's, like, when there are, like, harder bits, that was when there was, like, the backing track that she lip-synced. So, it was, like, a combination of both. But I- just love seeing a real star. We're in an era of starless stars, as Nene Leak said, okay? There's a lot of, like, famous people, but are you a star, okay? There's a lot of starless people, like Sam Smith, okay? That's why Sam Smith has to, you know, dress like a turkey. And we're not talking about Sam Smith anymore, because the last few red carpet appearances, it's like, all right, now this is just, like, silly now. Like, now we're just supposed to, like, react to everything you do to give you attention. Um, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to take the bait like the conservatards did that flipped out over the Grammys of, oh, he's wearing devil horns. Like, you guys will just flip out at anything. It's so embarrassing. You guys are just as bad as the, uh, the alphabet mafia on Twitch that are, like, holding boycotts and protests because there's a new Harry Potter game and they're freaking out because they think that it's, like, transphobic because it's from J.K. Rowling. So, if anyone plays this Harry Potter game, you're not allowed and they're, you're killing people by playing the game. That's what the conservatards sound, sounded like when they reacted to Sam Smith's Grammy performance. I mean, it was just, like, a cheesy, like, plastic devil horns, you know, grinding around. People think that, like, Satan's about to burst from the floor. It's so embarrassing. I can't with any of you guys. So, we have a lot of starless stars, like Sam Smith, that has to just do ridiculous things. And Rihanna is a real star. So, is Pamela Anderson, okay? Love talking about Pamela Anderson. Love talking about Rihanna. Two girls that have it. They just have it, okay? 
They have it. Whatever it is, these two have it. Pam Anderson and Rihanna. So to see a real fucking star up on stage, I loved that. And also, Rihanna has hits, okay? Just because your song is on the charts or people bought it, it doesn't mean it's a real fucking hit. Like, Rihanna has hits, okay? So to see a star performing hits... That was enough for me, okay? Because, you know, we have some pretty boring people sometimes at the Super Bowl with some filler songs, but I was into it. And the standards for Super Bowl performances have gotten too high now. Like, people kind of expect the impossible because there's been certain shows like Madonna's and Katy Perry's and stuff that are so over the top. So now it's like, we're not satisfied. We're not going to be satisfied with anything unless it's like, you know, when Pink does her performances and it's like Cirque du Soleil and she's like upside down, like flying around through the air, singing live. It's like anything less than that people aren't satisfied with where it's like, we need to just calm down a bit and just be like, this was like a cool performance from an artist we like with songs that we like. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. Like, chill the fuck out. So, I was into it. Although, I will say, I don't really get why she performed Pour It Up. It's not even that big of a hit. And she devoted like a lot of time to that. I'm like, there's other songs you could have put instead of Pour It Up. Like, I feel like What's My Name would be better. Love What's My Name. Uh, I mean, she's got so many freaking good songs. It's like, it's Rihanna, okay? Like, no one has like hits like Rihanna. It's like, she's just that girl. So, that was a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, uh, I will see you all next week. And the links to everything Read the show notes where you can support me, where you can check out uh, Shane. Yes, Shane is like mega cancelled, but he's actually kind of uncancelled because he has his own podcast now that does really well. He's still doing his YouTube documentaries. You can follow him on Instagram and social media where he's like having a baby soon and just got married and he's putting out fun content there. Like he's, you know, got a lot of stuff going on. So check out Shane and yeah, links for everything are in the show notes. Thanks, guys. See you all next week. Bye. I'm so excited. I'm so ready for this. <laughs> well, you've moved uh, back to Steel Harbor, aka LA. Are you just like my podcast? <laughs> Are you just like my podcast is doing well? So like, fuck Colorado. I'm moving back to LA, baby. No. So we we just don't know what we're doing. We need to sell this house or make a decision because we're gonna have a baby, and we don't know where we want to raise a baby. And I don't know if I want to raise a baby somewhere where you have to wear a stab proof vest. It gets scary. Yeah. So you're not like at the Chateau Marmont with like agents <laughs> and stuff worming your way back into Hollywood. <laughs> um, let me think. No, I ha- I still, they have not dropped me, which is very nice. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely don't do anything for them. Yeah. I can't believe you're having a baby soon. I feel like I finally made a new friend and now he's having a fucking baby and it's going to disappear into dad mode. No, my baby is going to be so cool. Like my baby's going to love your podcast. <laughs> I'm like so scared of all my friends, like having babies and vanishing. Cause last time I went back to Sydney, um, because, you know, obviously I left Sydney and then I went back and most of my friends are straight, pretty much all of them. And no one's had a baby yet, but they're all like either engaged or have just got married. And when I went there last time, I was like, that's fucking it. They're about to have a baby and mm. you're out the picture, bro. So <laughs> I was like, I've got to like listen to like a different city. Listen, all my friends were out the picture a few years ago. <laughs> Some of which was not my choice. Um 
So yeah, listen, I'll, we're accepting anybody into the picture. Like if you want to be in the picture, like with the baby, like we would love more people in our picture. By the way, am I glowing today? You have to say yes. Yes, you look beautiful. I can smell your starberry. Yes, I'm wearing Jeffree Star skin. Um, you're the one that actually convinced me to get it because I was saying to you, I'm like, oh, I don't know, because like celebrity brands, sometimes you don't know. And you were like, no, the moisturizer is really good. And I bought that whole lavender lemonade collection and was obsessed. And I just got that Wyoming winter and I like fucking love it so much. Oh, no, I buy it because I use so much of it and I buy refills. And then Jeffrey found out. He's like, are you buying refills? I can just send it to you. And I'm like, no, I want it is good. Like I show support, you know. Oh, my God. It's so nice. I just love like the like the gaudy like jewel packaging and stuff and it just makes it like so fun because i actually skip my skincare stuff a lot just from like laziness and then when i get the jeffree star stuff i'm like doing everything like last night like even though it's like summer here and i really don't need the wyoming winter in the middle of like an australian summer because it's like (laughs) very hydrating i'm just like plastering the oil over my face and like rubbing the body butter on my like elbows and stuff before bed Can I ask you a really stupid um, American question? But yes, and I know I should already know this, but so you're telling me, so when we have winter, you have summer. When we have summer, you have winter. How does that not fuck you up? That's so confusing to me. Yes, Christmas is like the middle of summer in Australia. So we do Christmas at like the beach and shit. Like you'll go to like, you'll run down the beach on Christmas day. So like, oh my God, that's so confusing to me. But do you guys actually get winter or is it like not that cold? No, we get winter, but it's not like everything's blanketed in snow unless you go to like certain specific like snowy. Pl- like there, there is spots to go for skiing, but it's not like you'll just drive through towns where they're like blanketed in snow. Like we don't have that. Wow. Okay. That's so crazy. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways. It's always, it's always weird having Christmas here. Like I was actually talking about this. I did a Christmas episode and I was like. I love Christmas and I love like Christmas music and the Christmas vibe. But um, now that I'm older, like obviously as you get older, it's harder to get into it because sort of the the magic of being a child at Christmas is gone and you're like exposed to the harsh realities of life. But then also you don't have like the ambience of like just the vibe of, you know, the snow falling and like you see in the American movies. Like I was watching the Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie and everything and it's just was like hard for me to like get in the mode. (laughs) Um, I think it was hard for all of us to get in the mode. I don't know if any of us related to that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a that was a treat. Um, well, LA though there isn't really snow or anything here. That's why we wanted to move to Colorado because it was like a real you know Christmas here. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Okay, so you're here to talk Pam Anderson with me, past and present. Everyone's like Pam crazy again, like it's 1996. I've um, I've always been such a huge Pam, and I felt a huge Pam stan, and I felt like you would be too because we're like the same age, and I feel like we like a lot of the same pop culture stuff. Like, do you remember just being a kid in the 90s growing up and her just fucking being like everywhere? Oh, yeah. We had posters in our house, like in my brother's room. Um, we would watch her on everything. We, my mom was obsessed with her. We were all obsessed with her. I mean, I still am. I have been for a long time. So I feel like everybody's finally catching up. Yeah. That's what it feels like too. Like I felt the same when I remember when Spencer Pratt joined Snapchat when like he was during his Snapchat era when he won like Snapchatter of the year and he kind of had this like 
resurgence in popularity. It was the first time people realized, like, oh, he's not just that douchebag from the hills. He's, like, really funny and he's cool and stuff. And I remember, like, feeling like, okay, yeah, everyone's catching up to this because I already, like, knew the vibe on Heidi and Spencer since day one. But then you're also, like, jealous because you kind of feel like, like, Pam's my thing or, like, Spencer's my (laughs) thing. And then when everyone, like, starts getting onto it, you're a bit like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Uh, so Spencer, I, okay, we won't get into Spencer. We'll do that a different day, but I'm confused about the birds with the hump with the birds, but that's a whole nother thing. I think the birds, I think he's got stories like articles he's done where he's like the birds like saved my life and stuff. Okay. All right. I'll get some birds. Um, (laughs) wait with Pam. I remember like, I don't know why I had this vivid memory. It just came flashing back when I was like prepping for this Pam episode. I remember like reading like a Cosmo magazine when I was like a kid. So it must've been uh, like an older friend, like an older female friend or, you know, someone. And I remember there was like a quiz and it was like 10 things that you have to know about every man. And I remember like one of the points was like, every man will find Pam Anderson hot. And Mm -hmm. it was true like back then, because she just like was the sex symbol. And she was so famous on a different level, like, because it was pre-social media Like, I was thinking about you and, like, when you blow up on YouTube and everything, you were, like, super famous with this, like, very specific demographic where you were, like, a household name to them. But then if you ask people that, like, weren't on social media or, like, familiar with YouTube, they wouldn't have got it. Whereas, like, pre-social media era, if you were, like, famous, famous, like, literally everyone fucking knew you. And Baywatch, I think they mentioned this on the Netflix doc. It was watched by, like, a billion people an episode, like, every week. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, the level of fame at that point, which I mean, I guess we'll get into it, but, at, but you know, all of her issues and everything, I'm like, I can't imagine being that famous and literally everything you do. But then again, maybe it was a little easier because there wasn't social media. You could kind of get away with more. I don't know. Yeah. I think you could, I think you could hide a little bit more. Also, there wasn't there wasn't the expectation that you had to document your whole life on social media to like keep your career going. Like now if like, I mean, even like Jennifer Aniston and stuff, who was like such a snooty bitch about like, you know, internet celebrities and stuff like she's fucking on Instagram doing like hair ads and stuff. I know. And I bought all of it and then it made my hair too, which is actually a commercial for them because it does make your hair very voluminous. But I don't need that. My hair is already too poofy. But it made my hair 10 times thicker. So if anybody needs thicker hair, Lolomia. I don't know if I said it right. Lolomia. Lolavi, whatever it is. Did you buy it because of her or just Yeah, because I was like trying to grow my hair out. And every time I've done it, it's horrible. So I'm like, well, maybe I can use Jennifer's stuff because her hair is so perfect. And um Great customer service. They lost my package seven times, but you know what? They sent me seven packages and I didn't have to pay for it. Um, yeah, I love her. She's also kind of like, this isn't a Jen Aniston podcast, sorry. No, go, um, go, say it. Well, no, she's kind of like, I can feel her darkness in like a good way. Like, I feel like she has a very dark sense of humor. There's a clip that I'm obsessed with. It's like on one of the behind the scenes episode of Friends. And it's like the filming of an episode. And I forgot what she said, but she like made a joke about the audience or something. And I was like, whoa, I can't believe they left that in. It was like, she's very funny. Well, she kind of like, she hate. I think she hates fans. I think she hates the audience. I think she like hates consumers. Like she always comes out now with these snooty comments about, you know, anyone can be famous on like 
on a TikTok. And it's like, girl, you want a sitcom? Like, calm down. Like, I love her and I think she's a good actress. And I actually uh, reviewed her uh, movie, The Good Girl, which Mike White did because oh, yeah. they did an episode about The White Lotus. And I was talking about how great she was in it. But it's also like, I don't know, she has this fucking entitled attitude now. It's really annoying. But anyway, we love her, sort of, uh, <laughs> sometimes. Um, oh, I have her perfume. Um, the very first one, which, okay, this is funny. No one's going to care about this, but whatever. I'm just going to say it. So, you know how the hair care line is called Lolavi, Lolavi, whatever the fuck it's called, okay? Mm-hmm. She had that term and she was, like, obsessed with that word and she wanted that to be her first fragrance. And then there was, like, it was right about to come out and then there was, like, another perfume that had that name. So, she just had to call it, like... It was like J by Jennifer or something like that to do this like last minute, like generic name. And then she was holding on to that, that for like 10 years. And then she finally did the hair care line. But I will say, I love her perfume. And she said that she wanted to make it smell like the beach. So it's kind of like the, you know, the Seinfeld episode with Kramer doing the the perfume about the the Calvin Klein perfume that smells like the beach. Yeah. She did that. It's like really salty and whatever. I just love it. Um, Okay, Pam, she she just dropped this Netflix documentary called Pamela, A Love Story. It's uh, one manic woman's crippling and destructive love addiction. She also has a, uh, a company- Is that what it says? No. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I was like, wow, we're going to put no, that in the description of my videos. No, she's not that- <laughs> She's not that self-aware. It's just Pamela, a love story, because obviously they theme it around kind of her journey to self-love. She released a memoir with it as well, which I started the memoir, honestly, pretty boring. Uh, Will I finish it? I don't know. But um, she has a very soothing voice. So I think it's this isn't shade, but because she has a soothing voice, it is a good thing to like put you to sleep. But it's very like... It's very, it's very feminine, flowery. Like it's how you would imagine a woman's, a gypsy woman's journals, you know, just writing about like the breeze and my mother was like a wildflower, always blowing in the wind. Like it's a lot of stuff like that. Um, and it's not very juicy. It's kind of just an expanded version of the documentary. But I mean, both projects, they're not the sordid, like, drug, sex, rock and roll Pam story. Like, they have some juicy stuff. Like, of course, they do, like, the sex tape. They do a whole section on that. But it's definitely not a tell-all. It's, like, really more like how she has these whirlwind relationships and, you know, six marriages, especially with Tommy. There's, like, a big chunk on Tommy. And then there's just, like, an arc of her learning to, like, love herself and, like, be alone, which I want to get into that. But, like, at the start of it... Didn't you love all of, like, the old, like, Playboy flashbacks and her on the Playboy shoots and stuff? Oh, my God. I think that my favorite part was the first, like, 20 minutes. Because it's stuff we hadn't seen. I mean, I hadn't seen. Like, that was before I was, you know, jerking off or whatever. Before my time. Um, BJ, before jerk off. And um, I, yeah, I had never seen that stuff. Like, I wish, I, I thought it was a great documentary. I wish we could have seen more of that kind of stuff that we just hadn't seen before. Yeah, well, they had all these, like, old photos of her. She was really beautiful. It's funny because, like, she is, like, a natural beauty, but because she has, like, the blonde hair and the fake boobs, like, 
I remember people would always act like, oh my God, she's like made of plastic. It's like, what? Because she has a boob job. Like everything else is like completely natural. Right. Like she's naturally like stunning. Even now, my um my auntie actually messaged me and was like, oh, she looks pretty rough without makeup. And I was like, I don't think so. I actually think she looks really I didn't, beautiful. I didn't think so at all. In that shot where she's like in the Uber XL and she's like, has no makeup on and she's going to Chicago. Yeah, I, w- I looked at her and I'm like, how old is she? Because she looked like- in her 40s and then i googled it and she's like what 55 i think yeah and she's had a hard some hard living so you know for someone that's you know partied a lot she's actually like holding up really well i think it's because she has such a beautiful smile and i loved all of the the old playboy shoots i'm always so nostalgic for playboy i always say this because one i just think the the photography and stuff was really beautiful um and it was really glamorous and I always found it really fun to see, like, which celebrity was the next to get nude on Playboy because that was kind of, like, the only place to see celebs naked. And then I also just loved the, like, pre-internet porn of, like, how hard it was to access porn. Like, we weren't desensitized to it. Like, do you remember, like, again, like, being a kid and it was, like, a big oh, yeah. deal to see, like, to see a Hustler magazine or something. It was like, oh, my God, wow. Like, I Oh, yeah. Porn. Like, we had a friend, a neighbor who was a hoarder or his mom and dad were hoarders and they like, we found a bunch of porn one day and that was the first time I had ever seen that before. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. And also a side note, I was listening to a celebrity interview and they said that Playboy sometimes will just give you a fake vagina. Like if they don't like how your vagina looks, they'll just like put a fake one. Oh yeah. (laughs) They, they airbrush it because they want it to look like the, the Barbie vagina. Like they don't want any kind of like labia and like, they don't want it to look like a turkey sandwich. They want it to look like just a neat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) Well, I just ate a a bacon and egg focaccia and it was dripping everywhere. Um, actually kind of made me sick. I was like, I need to like start eating better. (laughs) It's like, why did I do this? Wait, so did um, Pam not did Pam not have anything to say in the memoir about the Hugh Hefner stuff? Because I feel like she, her, everything in the documentary was very much like I loved it there; it was great. And then all the bunnies came out, and they're like, "He's horrible! It was horrible!" And I'm like, "I don't know, I don't know who to believe." I kind of believe Pam. I mean, I don't know; it's very confusing. I believe Pam. Okay, so I've I've said this for a while. Um, I do believe that shady stuff definitely would have gone down at the Playboy yeah. Mansion. I mean, of course, it's like drug, sex, and rock and roll and everything, but. Um, I definitely think there's like a lot of opportunistic people that are kind of rewriting history or, um, yeah, Pam has never, that's one thing I love about Pam actually is one, she's actually not, she's not overly political, but she's not super PC. She's actually a lot like Kim Kardashian in that sense. Like they they don't like overly involve themselves in politics all the time like sometimes they do but they're also not like victims um and pam has never got on the whole victim narrative with the playboy days i mean that secrets of playboy thing i just feel like there's this whole like exploitation culture around these true crime documentaries where they're so desperate for content and there's such an appetite for true crime that they're just digging everything up out of the past and completely sensationalizing it and putting these you know me too true crime narratives on them but like the one they did and i've i've mentioned this before those um you know those shannon twins those two playboy twins that they joined uh, they were on the girls next door like so after the main cast of girls next door like bridget and kendra and holly left the last season they had crystal hefner and they had these like two twins okay 
I don't okay, watch I thought, it. Phil, I thought you would know that obscure, like, pop culture trash. Like, that should be down your alley. But um, <laughs> these, these, they're, they're basically these two annoying twins. They were only there for, like, one, one season. They kind of disappeared. But they popped up in the Playboy documentary and, you know, they're all crying and they had some story about how one of them got pregnant to Hugh, I think, and then he, like, forced her to get an abortion and stuff. And then, like, Holly Madison came out and she's like, he he wasn't, like, fertile or whatever. Like, he, oh. the swimmers weren't working because she, she had been trying to get pregnant with him and they couldn't beforehand. So, she was like, that's a lie. So, um, that, to, that really discredited a lot of that documentary for me. And Pam, like, Pam got in trouble for these comments she made about Me Too which I felt, well, um, I think she was right. She she basically, like, she had said that, of course, things like that happen in Hollywood and there's no excuse, blah, blah, blah. But she was also like, you know, I had some common sense that if the, if the producer's standing there with his robe open, like, maybe don't, like, go in the room. Right. <laughs> like, she's never gone along with these, like, narratives. Um, mm. So, yeah, she- has never trashed Hugh. She's always defended him. Whenever anyone's asked about her time there, she's like, it's like the best time of my life. Well, what was the tone? Did you get to the Tim Allen thing in the book yet? Um, no, I only listened to the start, but I've read the excerpt and I've listened to her talk about it in interviews. Well, no, it's confusing, right? Because like in the documentary, she was very much, you know, um, didn't want to be a victim. And uh, and then in the the press, it was like, she exposes Tim Allen, she exposes Tim Allen, she's mad at Tim Allen. But then I saw her talk about it and she told it like it was a funny story. And so I'm yes. confused because so, I'm like, did the press turn it into that or was it, you know? The, the press. The press put the Me Too spin on it because when she tells the story, she's kind of like pretty grounded about it. She's sort of just like, yeah, he flashed his penis at me. Like, obviously, it's kind of like awkward and inappropriate, but also like, it's not the fucking end of the world. Like every, it was fine. Like we still worked on the show. You know, it was a, it was you know some locker room f- antics. Um, and, but then I the the media put the spin as if like they tried to make it look like she had been you know molested on set and was like crying victim or something when she was just sort of like saying it matter of fact of like it happened. It was a bit awkward. We were still cool. Like they used to hang out. We, they were friends. Um, so yeah, you actually see a lot of how the media put spin on things through that because uh, she's really gone out of her way not to release a sensational documentary. I mean, this is this is a PR piece for her to, like, relaunch her career, basically. So, it's, like, very strategic how it's been put together. But it's funny, right, because what I've always loved about Pam and why I've just really kind of admired her and kind of envied her is this exciting, like, romantic life that she's led of just being, like, incredibly hot and beautiful and bouncing around between different men and being in Playboy and being, you know, a political activist and, you know, being with Julian Assange and going to Russia. And she's just done all these, like, such exciting things. And she's always kind of, like, thrown caution to the wind and indulged her passions, whether it's, like, sexual or political. And, um... I've always like admired that a lot and I've envied it and I thought, wow, it's like what an incredible life that she's led. But then watching the documentary, even though they put her in a really positive light, I could see like the negative side of that. Like for one, 
She was only able to lead that kind of lifestyle because she's rich and famous and Pamela Anderson. Like, she lucked out becoming sort of the most famous, beautiful woman in the world. Because if you're a normal person and you live this, like, gypsy lifestyle of just mowing through men and not managing your finances and stuff, like, you would you'd be a fucking disaster. Like, you'd be a disaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, it did feel like... It was interesting. Like, there was a moment early on in the documentary where she was saying a story that was really crazy. I don't remember what it was, but it was, like, something about her – it was, like, her jumping out of a car or somebody pushing her out of a car and oh, with almost Tommy, killing her. I think. Something like that. And she's, like, laughing. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, she's so funny. And then I really thought about it. I'm like, wait, that was insane. But why does it not feel insane when she tells it? <laughs> like, she's just so good at, like, anyways, that was a crazy time. I'm like – that w- can we talk more about that? <laughs> well, that was like a lot of it where she glossed over and she glossed over a lot of stuff that's like kind of crazy. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of her and Tommy in the dock, which I doubt his new wife Brittany Furlan is happy about. Um, because oh my God, I know her. Oh, do you? Okay, well she must be seething because Pam's like Tommy's my one true love. I've been like chasing the high that I had with Tommy. Okay, so in the documentary, the way she frames it with Tommy is that, like, they had this insane, like, roller coaster love affair. They were traveling the world, you know. They were both at the height of kind of their fame and their looks and, you know, their beauty. And she had these huge tits. He has a nine-inch dick. It's just the perfect sexy love affair. And then, you know, it got too crazy. He assaulted her. He went to jail for it. And she left to protect the kids because she didn't. She had been raised in an abusive sort of situation too. And she didn't want to put her kids through that. But she spent the rest of her romantic life just trying to recreate what she had with Tommy of that insane high, which really, like, you can't do. That's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. Like, you don't just fucking, like, step outside and find that kind of, like, passion everywhere you look. And, like... When she she was acting like a drug addict, actually trying to get like her next fix, because she admits that like right. she broke up with Kid Rock because she she thought that she could get what she had with Tommy with Kid Rock. She tried to recreate it and it didn't work. And like she even admits that like when I went to marry Kid Rock and we're on the boat together, um, like I knew that I shouldn't have married him, but like I just went through with it anyway. And she sort of like doesn't care. <laughs> she like well- fucked with him. I'm confused because so she was is trying to re what she's saying she's trying to recreate this Tommy Lee thing, but from what we saw there was a lot of bad stuff. So I'm like, why would you want to create something that would also be bad? Is that like a self? Is I don't know. It's it was like kind a, of confusing. It's like a chaos addiction. Well, uh, it's like a. Right. It's definitely she's a love addict for sure. Okay, she's a love. It's like a drug addict because she wants to get that high. Um. Because you notice that every single relationship she has, they're always, like, filled with chaos or there's some kind of, like, sordid element to it. Kid Rock said in an interview, uh, he said, I touched the stove, the stove was very hot, and I won't touch the stove again. I think he felt like it was a bit of a circus. And she she made comments about, like, pushing men's buttons, which I think is something she likes to do because I think she gets off on, like, the thrill of that. Like, the guys she was with, so she had Kid Rock, then she was with this, like, toy boy soccer player for a while. I looked him up very hot, and he was much younger than her. They had this, like, steamy affair, and his soccer mates actually came out and did an interview. I was Googling it last night and said that they would have sex, like, 12 times a night, which I think that's impossible, but- 
maybe that includes like oral or something. I don't know. But they had basically they had this like very <laughs> they had like this very intense affair, and then it ended because she said that she says this in the documentary that he grabbed her hand, like tried to crush her hand. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But he's he's denied it. He says he has proof that it never happened, and he said that she never filed charges. And then she married this film producer for like. 11 or 12 days, which I don't think they even acknowledge that one in the documentary. She married Rick Solomon, who was Paris Hilton's sex tape partner and okay. a drug addict twice. That was another thing that they kind of brushed over. I mean, it w- I will say I laughed out loud when they had the music building and then she's like, and that didn't work. And then it like, that was very funny because I was like, wait, that guy? But then they never really brought up the Paris thing. Like, that's so crazy that he replicated the horrible thing that happened to her for Paris, like all of that was crazy. I wish they would have done a whole documentary about that. <laughs> yeah, well, because she has so much trauma around the sex tape, and then she goes and gets with a guy that did that. And she's so, she, every interview, she's like, don't lump me in with like these people that just did these like sex tapes for fame because mine was stolen and it was, you know, an abuse and everything, which I totally believe. And I was glad she could get her side of the story out with the sex tape. But yeah, they're very strange. And she sort of just laughs it off. She obviously had some kind of love affair with Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, when she was visiting him, I totally believe they had an affair, even though I think he was married at the time. And then, the last husband she had, this builder, Dan, what happened is, like, she moved back to Vancouver during the pandemic, and she actually got this HGTV reality show about renovating her home, and I think they were filming it at the same time as the Netflix documentary, or maybe she filmed it all independently so she owned the footage, because, like, they seem to have some of the same stuff, and the HGTV series actually also documents her with this guy, this builder, Dan, which is he's featured in the the Netflix show. She talks about him. You don't see him, but she's renovating a place. And Dan is one of the builders that comes to help do it. And they have this love affair. This is during the COVID pandemic. So they couldn't really go anywhere. And then when the pandemic ended, she's just like, oh yeah, I tried being normal, but I'm bored in Vancouver. Bye. (laughs) And like runs off. But what they don't mention is that he actually had a girlfriend of like five years And he, like, went to take a job working on her, you know, her home in Vancouver just, like, for work. And they had a blended family. They had three kids. So, I think he had some kids from a previous relationship and so did the girlfriend. They were a family unit. And Pam just, you know, got caught up in the COVID bubble of I'm going to settle down. As soon as she could leave, she just, like, skipped off again. Um, She just leaves a a trail of, like, broken men everywhere she goes. And the documentary didn't frame it as a bad thing. They framed it like, oh, she's just a romantic that's, like, searching for something. And it's like, this is, like, you need therapy. (laughs) I mean, you know what's so crazy is, like, I had multiple moments where I thought about that and I was like, okay, if this was anybody else, I would be like, oh, my God, like, what's wrong? But because it's her, I'm almost like, she's so iconic. And I'm like, is that my fault? <laughs> is it my well, problem that it makes me like her more? <laughs> I don't know. That's what, that's what like, everybody did, though. But then when you actually look at it, it's like, you need, like, you need help. And the fact that, like, every relationship that she gets into, they always have some element of, like, the guy – getting angry or some physical altercation or like there was something like that in a lot of them. And um, she did admit that she likes to push guys buttons. I think I definitely think she's just chasing this like a love addict high that she had with Tommy. And then 
she gets bored, she pushes their buttons and just tries to kind of recreate that over and over, which, you know, she's over 50 now. Like, you need to stop, (laughs) maybe stop chasing this. And I think probably goes for damaged men as well that kind of have those traits because Mm. she seems to get bored very easily. Um, Yeah, it's just she's a love addict gypsy that really needed to be in therapy a long time ago because- I look, I think she's I love her. She's still my all-time fave celeb and I think that there's a million positive qualities about her. Like I think she's an amazing mom. I love her political activism. I love the way she's like gone through life. I love her like attitude towards everything, but I think specifically when it comes to relationships, she's a complete like menace to society and I feel like she just mows through men and just fucking like turns their life upside down and kind of destroys them and then skips on to the next one. Well, okay, you know what what's interesting is I I almost feel like she would admit that. And I feel like she probably would have talked about that. I feel like maybe because her kids were involved or I don't know who made the documentary because they said her kids made it, but then a different guy directed it. So it's kind of confusing, but I almost feel like if she would have just done it herself and it wasn't like a PR thing, she seems kind of self-aware. I feel like she would joke about it and be like, yeah, I have a problem and like, you know, watch out. Like this is kind of, I can't stop. Like, she seems funny enough and real enough to just say that, right? Yeah, I do agree with that. But it's also like, okay, so people have forgotten this, right? But she wrote a book in like, she actually wrote two in 2005 and 2006 called Star. And it was like a faux memoir that, and I read them both when they came out at the time. So, I haven't read them in, you know, 20 years, however long ago that was. But I read them when they came out. And- she doesn't use her name. It's about this character called Star, but it's basically her it's basically her life. And it has it even has the the producer that she married for the eleven days. She knew him when she first got to Hollywood and he had her up like she was, I don't know, seventeen or eighteen, whatever. And he had her up in his mansion and was like buying her cars and things and like wanted to make her his number one girl, but you know, she can't you can't kind of like cage her, you know, she's like a free bird. So then she went off and did her own thing and stuff. But like, she has all the juice in there, right? Of like the drugs, the sex, the rock and roll. Like she talks about doing anal. It's like fucking all these guys, like at the Playboy Mansion, like all the juicy shit that you wanted to see in this documentary is in there. So clearly with this, this Netflix one and this memoir, she's wanted to paint a very specific picture of like, you know, a woman's journey to self-love. Um, so, I don't- she, I, she would Did she, though? Because um, I feel like the ending of the documentary was almost like a caution, cautionary tale. It was like, you know, because she was laying in that bathtub and she was like, I'll never be happy because I don't have the thing I want. And it was like really sad. So, I'm like, was it a self-love story or was it like- but I don't know. Her, it didn't- The thing she wanted was- Tommy, which is totally inappropriate because he's remarried now and like pretty happy. And then it came out, I saw on like radar online that she was like texting him and they were like kind of suggestive, like they were like kind of like flirty. And it's almost like, yeah. And Brittany Ferland seemed like, I think she's pissed about it from some of the stuff that I'm seeing in them, which like rightfully so, because even though like Pam is, you know, in her fifties and stuff now, she's still Pam Anderson. She's still the sex symbol of her generation. And 
she's very charming and like she's like charming she's smart she's like got it all so any woman is and especially then it's if it's your man's like ex-wife any woman's not going to be happy about that and i almost feel like pam got caught like in the documentary right revisiting all of her feelings about tommy and you know going through all their old footage because like she's watching like footage of her and tommy together in the documentary and you know looking at it fondly of all their romantic times together and then it's like taken her back to that place and now she's like sniffing around tommy (laughs) again a little Mm. bit but i feel like she's the type that then like say she succeeded okay say tommy was still interested she'd probably just like mess up tommy's marriage with Brittany and then like get it out of her system and like find something else again, you know, and just, I did, I did feel like, you know, as I was watching it, I was like, wow, as an audience member, we all want her to get back with Tommy. Like almost like it's a movie, like it's Titanic or something. It's like, it's not a movie, it's real life. And he's remarried. So it was a kind of a weird thing where I'm like, wow, everybody in the world would be like, yay, they're back together. But it's not how real life works. And I know I met Brittany a long time ago, like six years ago on a podcast. She was so sweet. And it was right, I think right before she met Tommy. Um, I haven't talked to her since really, but you know, so yeah, I did think about that. I was like, oh, I wonder how she's feeling about this. But, but maybe, you know, they had the most famous love story of all time. So I guess it kind of comes with the territory, but yeah, very confusing. Yeah, I just, it's just weird. Like, the, the press rollout is crazy. I remember you said, I'm like, are you under a rock? Because you were like, is this, like, getting that much press? Like, do people care? And I'm like, um, this documentary, everyone's watched it. Everyone's re-obsessed with Pam again. Um, the, she's been doing, like, she's been in Vogue. She's been on the cover of Woman's Wear Daily, the New York Times, like, every late-night show, every talk show. Like, the press rollout for this is crazy, which is why I think it's a very specific um I definitely think it's a very specific branding PR thing. Like, even though it's presented as very personal, which it is, and the memoir is definitely very personal. Like it, like I said, it's very like intimate journals and stuff. But they're definitely trying to paint her in a very particular light. And even the arc of the documentary at the end of her, like I'm going to try loving myself, which I, who's buying that that she's going to be doing self love? Like she's probably got another guy now that she's like trying to run down the aisle with because she clearly has all of these sort of like issues that she's like well, not treated. What's going to happen next? Like what's the point, right? So if they come out with this documentary in the book, is there a plan, do you think, for her to do something after this? Like what if she does put out the star series on Netflix that's like really fucked up and crazy and maybe like now that we everybody loves her again they'll you know I don't know like is there a point or was it just a self um well I think it's going to be similar to what Paris Hilton did I mean she's kind of following the Paris Hilton um model which was Paris Hilton came out with the Netflix documentary about um you know being abused at boarding school and then that kind of like refreshed Paris for everybody and everyone went, oh, wow, Paris isn't this like dumb blonde. Like she has depth and, you know, everyone's feeling like that with the Pam Anderson one of like, wow, everyone thought she was just this bimbo, but she's, and so it's like repositioned her in in the popular culture and kind of made her relevant again. And then I guess opportunities will just come from there. Like I'm sure she's getting like offers to do stuff. She's like, she's literally everywhere right now. Um, do you think people uh, are going to turn? Because here's the thing that always scares me, especially about documentaries. I feel like because I've made some, I mean, I don't know if I'd call them documentary or whatever I call them, but 
there's kind of that moment where everybody falls in love with the subject and everybody's on their side. And then because it's too much love, it kind of turns. And then it's like, oh, people start dissecting it. And then it's like, oh, you know, they're the problem. Oh, this, oh, that. And then, you know, it's almost like people build them up and then they want to tear them down and then build them up. So do you think that's going to happen with this? Like, do you think no, one of her exes I, is going to come out? You know what? One of Some of her exes may come out, but I, just, I don't think it's going to dent it overall because Netflix is such a huge platform and the amount of press that she's done and how positive it's been. Like, even when I was watching it, like, I was, like, standing out for her because I, like, I fucking love her. She's amazing. And she... Like I said, I feel like she's like perfect, be, minus this one pr- very serious problem that they've glossed over. So I think people just like want the best for her. You know, she's good. a legacy celebrity now. Like she's been around for decades. So she's had the ups and the downs and she's had the times in the tabloids of people not liking her and stuff. So I think this is her time where she's sort of cemented her legacy in, in a positive way. Um, but yeah, there's, they actually shied away from a lot of controversial stuff because even her whole Julian Assange political arc, they mentioned it a little bit, but they didn't get into it that much. And that was like a big chunk of her life. Like she was literally in Europe for like years and yeah, she was meeting with Putin and stuff. And I think she, she did mention it in the documentary, but they, it was like a very surface level glossing over it, but it's like. Do you guys realize how crazy this is? Like, she was on Baywatch, and then she was going to the Ecuadorian embassy, probably having this affair with Julian Assange, and then going to, like, Russia and doing, like, full-on political activism. Like, she was out here, like, speaking out against, like, Hillary Clinton and shit and, like, the New York Times. Like, she was, like, right in it. And Brandon, um, her son in the doc, he says something about how, like, he wants her to stay away from controversial things because they actually put a lot of focus on Brandon wanting to, like brand her and get her to make a lot of money again because she hadn't made that much money throughout her career. And they actually, another thing they do, which is a little bit of like revisionist history, they try to act like she was just sort of exploited her whole career and like never made the money which she that she deserved, which is definitely true to like a certain extent. But then there's like the other chunk of it where she's like, she's clearly just like terrible with money and like, can't like she just doesn't have her shit together you know so like some of it like falls on her and i say that as a financially irresponsible person who's like aware <laughs> of it, like some of it falls on you love like it's not all just like the big bad executives you know didn't cut you the right deal but um yeah i i sent you actually this clip of her last night when she was on the view and it's like really incredible like she goes on there to defend julian assange and she has she has Meghan McCain foaming at the mouth. I mean, Meghan McCain is such a fucking brainless pig. Like, she's, like, falling over herself trying to, like, come for Pam. And then she also has Joy Behar on the left side coming for her over Assange. And she's, like, handling them both. Like, she's, like, actually clearing both of them. And she's just responding, like, calmly with, like, facts. And then Meghan is, like, falling to pieces. And then Joy Behar is, like, struggling to read, you know, whatever talking points are on her, like, cue card because she just fucking takes orders from whoever the producer is. And Pam's just, like, clearing them. Like, she is actually very intelligent. Um, But I think they just didn't want to, like – I don't think they wanted to revisit any of that. I don't think they wanted to talk about that she obviously – I'll say this in the politically correct way – that she partied a lot because um, <laughs> she was partying a lot. And I actually know uh, I know a good source that 
was working with her when she'd come to Australia. She was in Australia like it was years ago. She came here and did Big Brother at one point. She came here another time to shoot a commercial. And um, they said that she was, you know, again, partying. So she's clearly has a... She's there's a lot in her past, and we just don't. They just really didn't want to go into any of that stuff. Like they had a very yeah. specific narrative. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I mean, I really liked it, and I love her, but I definitely did feel kind of like, um, I kind of know all this. I mean, except for the beginning with like the all the the background stuff. But then I was like, well, I kind of know all of this stuff. I wish, but maybe she will. But I guess she wrote a book. I mean, I guess you didn't finish it, so I guess we don't know. I haven't read it. I'm like, maybe she does get more into stuff, but I don't know. It's not that much. It's like Do you- she colors in a few. She colors a few things in, but it's still. It's like that angle. Oh, um. One last thing on the doc is that she kind of said like. Oh, if the sex tape hadn't happened, like I would have been, you know, like a serious actress, which is like, girl, that's not really true. Um, and she, it's, she infamously like during Baywatch, I mean, they talked about this on the documentary when she was on Baywatch again, like the number one show, Tommy was like coming to set and wouldn't let her do kissing scenes with other guys and they're just causing chaos and stuff. And it's like, you can't. You can't be a serious actress and be, like, behaving like that on set, you know, like, having that craziness. And she did that on Barbed Wire as well because that was actually in the book Star, I think. Um, And there's also stories about that. Like, when she was filming Barbed Wire, they would, like, be fucking in their, like, trailer for hours and not come out and late to set and stuff. So... You know, she tried to, like, chalk it down to, oh, it's the sex tape that, like, ruined my acting career. It's like, "Mm, no, it's probably a lot of that's on you. But it's like, also, she sort of acted like she didn't have a good acting career, which she really actually, she's had, like, quite a big career. Um, Probably, like, she probably needs to give herself more credit for, like, actually how successful she's been. Like, for someone that started off as a Playboy model and, like, the Tool Time Girl, she had Baywatch, she had Stacked. For two seasons, which we'll talk about in a sec. She had like four seasons of VIP. Four seasons. Pretty good. They had a video game of VIP on PS2. I remember I played it as a kid. She had Barbed Wire. She had Stripperella, which was a um, Stan Lee who does all the Marvel stuff. Did a comic book series about her. Um, She guest starred on like a bunch of sitcoms. She did. Have you seen this? Um, She did a movie with Denise Richards called Blonde and Blonda. I have seen the cover. (laughs) (laughs) i remember that but i mean she's worked a lot um we've been re-watching stacked actually super underrated sitcom i think with christopher lloyd and marissa winnaker who i always confuse with nikki blonsky uh (laughs) i think um nikki blonsky was in the hairspray movie and marissa marissa winnaker was in the hairspray Broadway show, and I always oh. like confuse the two. Yeah, yeah, Marissa, she's so funny. She's in like all the scary movies. She's in some of the scary movie movies. She's in like a lot of parody movies. Like she's so fucking funny. What is she doing now? I gotta look into that. Yeah, like Stacked was like Stacked was kind of a. I mean, it wasn't a big sitcom, but like it's actually pretty it underrated. Was, like uh, when I looked at the ratings, it had you know eleven million viewers for the episode, and now The Last of Us gets like. 6 million and it's the biggest show of all time and i'm like stacked got three times more and it got canceled it's like very confusing 
Yeah, this, the landscape has changed so much. I think on, like, free-to-air at that time, they were expecting you to get, like, maybe, like, 20, 30 million per episode. And if you wow. weren't getting that, it was, like, a flop, which is crazy. I mean, I feel like they should have stuck with Stacked. The, the premise is pretty funny, guys. If you don't know Stacked, by the way, all the episodes are on YouTube. Pam pretty much just plays herself, which makes it really funny because she's good at it and she is so naturally kind of, like, likable and charming. And she's just this, like big titted like babe that you know dresses in revealing clothes and she ends up working at this like conservative bookstore with these two dorky brothers and uh marissa winnaker um, runs a cafe in there and christopher lloyd is this like mad scientist or something that like hangs out in the in the bookstore every day for some reason and it's just it's like a workplace sitcom like it's a pretty typical formula but it's, like, really fucking funny. Every joke, though, every single joke about every woman on the show except Pam is just about how fucking ugly and fat everyone <laughs> is compared to Pam. Like, every joke. Yeah, it's so good, though. I think that's what made my humor. Like, I mean, that show is a little later, but I feel like because I grew up very overweight and I, like, was insecure, so I would turn it into a joke, I always found that stuff so funny because it was so relatable to me. Like, it was just like, yeah, I always felt like the gross person in the room. So, yeah, that shit made me laugh so hard. Wait, but do you like, do you like being the butt of the joke? Kind of. Like, I don't mind it. Like, okay, here's the thing. If it's, if it's funny and if it's meant not, if it's meant, how do I say this? Like, when people were really going in on me when I was getting canceled, I wasn't seeing most of it. But, you know, a lot of it was like rooted in just like, we're enjoying tearing this person down. But if I'm the butt of a joke, but I'm also like a part of the story, like I don't mind it. But yeah, I guess it doesn't really fly in 2023. Well, Rebel Wilson got the lap band surgery, whatever. <laughs> She's like, I'm skinny now, bitches. Well, no, they're all on, all the celebrities now are on that fucking shot. Ozempic? Oh yeah, that was Ozempic. Which, by the way, so scary. Literally, like, all the side effects are, like, cancer, stroke, heart attack. and Because I was thinking about it. And it was, like, cancer, stroke, heart attack. And then, but everybody's just doing it. But they all look the same. It's, like, creating the same person. Like, it's very strange. Yeah, it's, like, it's better just to be healthy. I mean, do you have a bad diet? I don't have a great diet. Well, my problem is, no, I have a good diet. My problem is I have no metabolism. So, my whole oh. life, it's been, like, if I don't eat, like, you know, Pam Anderson, I'm fat. You know what I mean? There was a scene in the in um, the Netflix documentary where she, like, picks up a croissant and she's like, if there's any excuse for me to be able to eat a croissant, it's now because she was freaking out about the Pam and Tommy. So, so relatable. I literally, the day I got can't, well, mm, that week, because there was a couple days where I didn't eat anything, but that week I was, I got a Mission Burrito, which is my favorite burrito place. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm eating this fucking burrito. The whole world hates me. And it was the best burrito I've ever had. <laughs> I need to get better at that. I'm like, I ate cookies the other day for dinner. Actually, I messaged you. I was on the couch. I think I'm like, I'm eating cookies, like about to watch Barb Wire. Um, it's really bad. Actually, you know what happened? I Tell me if you think this is like a sign from the universe. So, I've been like pretty good at the gym and stuff lately. Like I've really got into like a routine, but I can't, my sweet tooth, I can't really curb it. Like- and then so I still make sometimes bad choices with normal food because I don't live near a supermarket or anything. Like this morning when I had the fucking bacon and egg focaccia, which was disgusting. And I was like, 
I should see, like, maybe I should, like, see someone to try and, like, break this, like, bad habit, like a hypnotherapist or something. Because I remember my mum quit smoking from hypnotherapy. And then I got an email from my podcast network and they wanted me to do, like, a sponsored ad for a hypnotherapist. Don't you think that's, like, a sign? Whoa. Okay, yes. And also, I've been wanting to do uh, hypnotherapy because my friend quit smoking a couple years ago from it. And I was like, wow, I could do this for so many things. Like, oh my God, I could just be a robot. Yeah. Yeah. People vouch for it because when they emailed me about the thing, about it, I have a thing where I have to like approve all my ads. I was like, okay, let me just have a look into this first because I wanted to make sure it wasn't some like quack stuff that I was promoting. Because I feel like if I like talk about a product, um, because people think that I'm like, fake promoting like jeffrey stars shit because i'm always posting on instagram like oh my god you're just trying to get like jeffrey's attention i'm like no i actually i fucking like love this stuff i feel like because i always keep it real on here like if i'm doing like a host red ad it has to be like something that i would support you know yeah um and then yeah i was looking into hypnotherapy again that i remember my mom quit smoking from it and like so many people were like vouching from it going yeah it's great like it's helped us you know break bad habits and like I was even reading the girl's website for the ad thing and yeah, these, they sit down with you specifically and you like, you get hypnotized, but it's also, it's sort of like therapy as well to like break your bad habits. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I need this to stop eating cookies for dinner. <laughs> or just eat the cookies. What are you trying to do? You're a beautiful person. Are, who are you looking for? Because anybody that's going to want to be with you based on that is like not the person. Mm, I don't know about that. I think, no, I think you have to be hot. I mean, if that's just you real, don't. like you have to I've be never hot. been. I've never been. You're like even, tall and you were famous, extremely famous. No, so even when I was extremely famous, even, even when I was 400 pounds and you know, whatever in high school, I still had girls like trying to suck my dick. I think because they were just curious what it looked like. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's about your energy. Like I really, like you, I see so many people that, especially in Colorado that I'm like, Wow. Not to be mean, but that's an interesting looking person. And they always have someone. Always. They go with like basic ass people because no offense to small town guys. I'm from a small town. You guys know that I moved back to a small town during the pandemic, which has destroyed my life and I'm trying to escape and I can't wait to leave again. But um, when I see good looking people around town that are like coupled up, they're they're nice people, but they're just fucking dumb as fuck. Like- no, but you, okay. First of all, you're a good looking person, so you shouldn't say that. But second of all, what are you looking for? Like when you think about the guy you want to be with forever, what does he look like to you? Uh, tall. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted it to be Middle Eastern, but now I'm trying, I'm trying to get, okay. I always fall in love with like Middle Eastern guys, but I'm trying to like stop that. I am actually open to every type, but it just somehow like the universe always steers me to like an Arab. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think just someone that like thinks that I'm really funny and okay so none of this so far is physical so what about physical are you looking for somebody that looks like a jacked supermodel oh no i don't care about like as long as they're tall as long as they're tall and if you don't care most of them don't care no but i don't want them okay i don't want them ugly they still have to be attractive i just i just don't care if they have like you know abs and stuff but do you don't you think though in the gay community it's almost the guys that like 
sort of have like not full dad bod, but like a bit of a dad bod. Like they're almost in like more demand because they look yes. more. Like, yeah. So, but that's actually that's actually harder to that's probably harder to achieve than someone with like abs and everything. <laughs> and someone that's like a I will fit hot body. Here's what I'll say about sex because this is something I learned very late in life, and I wish I would have learned it earlier. When it comes to actual sex, it does not matter. No one gives a fuck. Like you could have a belly or back fat or whatever. Literally no one cares. You're having sex, you're fucking, it's great, it's amazing, whatever. And you're not even thinking about that. So it's like, as long as you look good in clothes or you can make yourself feel confident in clothes, even if you are thicker, it doesn't even matter because the second you're having sex, nobody cares. I think you're, you're creating this for yourself to keep you from finding someone. You need to drop it because you're perfect. You don't need to well, stop eating cookies. Yeah, no, I do need to stop eating cookies, but um, <laughs> well, how I many feel are you like eating? No, I t- is it that much of a problem? <laughs> well, I ate four the other day for dinner. Okay, were they small? No, they were huge. <laughs> <laughs> they were okay, amazing. I mean, they were listen, so good. See for your blood sugar, maybe you know, maybe cut back, but. Yeah, I don't know, but I have like a strong I have a strong personality too though. So it's hard to get people that are like honestly into my personality cuz people and especially yeah, I don't know. You know, like I'm very like particular about things even though I think I'm like more chill in real life, but like I don't know, I just have a it's just hard like to fi- I mean, I don't know. I'm moving to Melbourne soon, so there's like obviously more options there. Like where I am now, it's been hard cuz there's like there's nobody here. So, like, there's no, like, it's fucked here. So, when I'm in the city, it might be better. Although, it's funny because where I'm moving Melbourne, it's basically, like, the wokest city in um, the country. Like, it's very, like, pronouns and, like, soy boys and stuff. So, that's Mm. not great for me. But, Well, here's what I will say. (laughs) From the the very few times I've been to West Hollywood, I noticed, and from what I've talked to Rylan about, the more attractive the guy, the better in shape the guy, the more manicured the guy, they're always single. Always. Because that's not the person you want a relationship with. Because yeah. they're, they're, sex they're so self-absorbed. And they're sex addicts and they're narcissists and all those things. Like, for you, it's like, you know, I don't know. I hope once you move, you just start going more, going out on more dates. Do you not go on dates? Like, even if you're not attracted to them? Um, No, but I forced myself to a couple of times here which because i'm just like ugh, i have to i have to like force myself to do it because i'm kind of like if i can't like envision us getting married like if i'm chatting to them and i can't imagine us like getting married i'm like i don't want to talk to you no that's too pam of you listen and she would agree she would agree she you need would. to be less pam <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i have like a maybe i have some pam in me i don't know um but i want an american too so when i'm in when i'm in the states in april i do want an american because i kind of want to get the fuck out of australia so i will be on the hunt for an american um oh my god i'm gonna see you so you can like set me up with someone wait wait say um, that again so you're gonna be when are you here again you said april april for like three when? weeks and i'm gonna be in okay, la good. for like a fair chunk. So, God, what are you going to do? I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of people. It was funny because originally I had planned to just go to like national parks and like do what I want to do. And someone was like, no, you have to make it a social trip. Like, you know, so many people. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, whatever. I can go to like a park another time. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. I'm pr- pretty much just going to be like seeing everyone that I'm friends with online. And I'm seeing Miranda Lambert in concert in Vegas. So oh, okay. that's what I'm doing. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to New York um, at the end, which 
I'm actually not looking forward to New York. It's just it like seems too big. It's like the other side of the fucking country. But there's like a few people there that I want to see, so I'm gonna like make myself. But yeah. I wish I could go to Hawaii, but it's like too hard to like fit that into. I'm like, I need to do like Hawaii as like a separate trip. I just want to like run around Hawaii. <laughs> I've never been there. I've always been too scared because I have claustrophobia. And when you're in Hawaii, there's like something, I forget what it's called, but there's a term for it. And every once in a while, somebody will just freak out because they realize they're on an island and there's no way off. <laughs> like, that scares me <laughs> but- so much. But claustrophobia is like small space. It's not a gigantic island of Hawaii. No, but it is small when you think about it. Like all that water and you're on this small little island. And like, if you really needed to get away, you can't. Like, what if there's a storm? (sighs) Scary. (laughs) Um, Yes, I know. I'm going to see people. So I'm going to see you. Can you and Ryland take me somewhere like fun? Like something, somewhere like ridiculous and American? We've literally never been anywhere fun. So I'm going to have to start brainstorming. (laughs) Every time somebody comes to see us from out of town, I feel so horrible because I actually don't leave my house. So then I have to be like, so then I'll have something come to me. I'll be like, oh, let's have, you know, and then that's when I make bad decisions. So let me, I'll try to figure out something. Hmm. I mean, we can hang out at the house, but like, well, I'll find something fun and then I'll present you with the option. Do you get, um, do you get social anxiety? Like to go Um, out? To go out? Yes. That which is more based upon, like, I've been getting better at it. I've been trying a lot more, but based upon me just feeling bad about myself all the time, which is so stupid and selfish because nobody actually cares about how anybody looks, really. So, um, but I've always been like that. So, yes. Yeah, I'm like that too, pretty much. Although I've gotten better. Being in Aubrey has definitely, like, actually increased my confidence because you're not around, like, like every like no one here is like a 10. So it's like, oh, the sec the second I came back to LA from Colorado, I had a spiral where I was like I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, I'm a loser. In Colorado, I felt great. I was like, "Oh my god, this is my, you know, like everybody's 20 pounds overweight, everybody's like wearing jackets all the time, like, you know, and yeah, here it sucks. I'm like the bougie bitch in town that like has it going on and then i go back to sydney and it's like everyone's like an instagram model and i'm like oh my god yeah i can't really depressing okay i want to talk about barbed wire because you and i have been like messaging back and (laughs) forth about barbed wire for days this is pam's big cinematic masterpiece uh they do feature this actually in the documentary um she kind of like she acts like it didn't turn out well, but I actually think it's fucking awesome. I love it. Uh, it's based on a comic book series. It had a big budget. So, like, I think it was supposed to be a hit. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be, like, a B-grade camp no. thing. Like, I think this was actually meant to be, like, a, a big leading lady, like, a hit at the box office, like, let's do a sequel kind of movie. Um, For people that don't know the plot, so it's set in a futuristic America that's been taken over by the military and they're total fascists and they're literally supposed to be Nazis. Like they're dressed without calling them Nazis, but everything else is Nazi. Like they're dressed Mm -hmm. like Nazis. They talk like Nazis. Um, They, they even like, they torture, they're torturing this woman at the start 
this like hot Asian woman. Everyone's like sexy in this too. And you know, the woman that's like, she's on like a table and she has, it's like a metal bikini and it's electrocuting uh-huh. her. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's lonely, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's like a set. It look, it's like watching Japanese like hentai porn or something. Like the whole time she's moaning and like she's having an orgasm as she's being tortured. Um, everything's sexualized here and stuff. And they track everybody through a digital ID via your eyes. So they scan your retina and then that has all the information of who you are and stuff. Um, oh, it's called Steel Harbor because this is the last free city in America. Everywhere else is like a military zone. And this is the one free city where the military like haven't taken it over yet. Um, and it's completely overrun by like crime and sex workers and Digital IDs. It's the future that liberals want. <laughs> it's what the Democrats <laughs> want to make California, basically. Um, a vision of a democratic future. And there's freedom fighters that are part of the part of like a resistance and they're trying to like escape to Canada. I feel like they added the Canadian thing in because Pam's Canadian. So Canada was kind of the promised land. Um and also the way they all want to escape over the border to Canada, which again is very like Nazi, you know, like the Jews trying to escape like mm. <laughs> to safety. Um, so definitely a lot of uh, World War II stuff in there. The intro is Pam stripping to like a rock version of, war- of, of Word Up. And she's in this like leather, it's like a leather dress, but it unzips at the front so her boobs are out. And she's getting sprayed with water. It's actually filmed magnificently. Like, it looks incredible with, like, the rock music playing. And she's, like, flinging her hair. And then some guy, there's, like, some sleazy guy in the crowd. And he's like, you know, show us your tits, babe. And then she she takes off her high heel and throws it at him and kills him. Um, so, yeah, an amazing intro, don't you think? I wish the whole movie was like that because- after that intro, and I'm not just saying this, I could not keep track of what was happening. And I, I watched the entire movie. I would rewind. I, I watched the entire movie, and I could not tell you what it was about. <laughs> like, okay, but I think that was, was also because so you were- using. Yeah, but you were, like, texting me on WhatsApp, and then you were like- this is what happened to, like, this actor. And I'm like, okay, so you're, like, on, like, IMDb, like, looking up, like, filmographies. Like, were you actually paying attention to the movie? Like, do you have no, an attention I, span? I was. And I do. I watched I watched the most boring shit in the world. Like, three-hour documentaries about things that nobody cares about. For some reason, I could not understand. Like, my brain. So then I watched a whole video about it. Like, you know, a whole a guy explaining barbed wire. And I still couldn't understand. And I was like, why don't I understand what this movie's about? And and if I'm well, feeling that way. <laughs> well, I totally understood it, but I also owned the VHS as a kid. I bought it like secondhand. They used to do, God, this like ages me so much. So the youngins won't remember this, but like Blockbuster and those places they would have like sales every now and then where they would get rid of like, they would have excess copies of rentals. So you would go mm-hmm. in and it'd be like the bargain bin. It'd be like, you know, $5 for barbed wire. Um, so that's how I got barbed wire. I also owned, I think it was called, oh, what was something? My tea, it was like Tia Carrera as like a, a hot teacher that was like fucking her student who I think might have been Jeremy London. Anyway, I got a, <laughs> um, it's, good trash stuff so i had a lot of like 
that kind Sorry, of content. Sorry, over here and in Steel Harbor, there's a military plane going over me if, if you can hear that okay sorry keep going i love that maybe it's a balloon the chinese spy balloon. <laughs> um so yeah she hates being called babe in the movie by the way which they never explain basically throughout the movie if any guy calls her babe she will kill them but it's her trigger word but we never understand like why she doesn't want to be called babe even though she walks around with like her tits out and like huge blonde hair and like dominatrix outfits but just don't call her babe Interesting. Yeah, they could have fixed that. Like, if they would have had a flashback of, like, her dad, like, yelling at her and calling her babe and being mean to her. Or, like, something to make me connect with her. I couldn't connect with her, except for her boobs. But besides the boobs, like, I couldn't connect with who she was. It was confusing. Because I'm like, is she a bad Is she a bad guy? Or is she a good guy? Like, am I rooting for her? Her character is, like, she only cares about money, basically. So, she'll work with... She's in. She's an independent contractor because you have the freedom fighters on one side and then you have, like, the fascist military on the other and she'll work for either of them, just whoever can, like, cut her the biggest check. But she's mean to everybody. Um, yeah. Anytime someone says anything to her, she just responds in – she talks, like, in this monotone, deep voice, which she was told to do because it makes her sound more serious, and everything is just sarcastic and, and mean and threatening to everyone. Like, she's not very nice. No, and then I was like, who who's the main character of this movie? Because I felt like there was a lot of moments that she wasn't in it. And we were following this guy and this girl. And I was like, who are these people? Like, And then that guy was blind, which I didn't even understand. Because I thought he was just a cool guy at a bar. And then it turns out he's blind. It was very confusing. That was her brother who got blind, who was blind in the war. And he looks like John Bon Jovi. He's Charlie Kapetsky because her real name's Barbara Kapetsky, but then she <laughs> rebrands to Barbed Wire. So does she have an actual Barbed Wire tattoo like in real life? Because I feel like yes. the picture of her with the Barbed Wire tattoo. Okay, got it. Did she get it for the movie and then she kept it? Actually, that's interesting. She must have. She must have got it for the movie. Um, and then I think she had to lays it off because I actually haven't seen that tattoo for a while. Also, is Kapetsky, is that a Jewish name? I think so. It sounds very Jewish. Okay, there's definitely, this was definitely basically a movie about the Nazis. <laughs> but it was also compared to Casablanca um, by Roger Ebert, compared it to Casablanca. He said it stole the plot. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of reviews of this movie and it was all like, I didn't understand it. It was really bad, but I loved it and it kept my attention. And I was like, you know what? I agree because I've never had two hours go by faster in my whole life. I could not believe it was over. The The art direction was really, really good. Like the art direction, it was all done like neo-noir. The set, like the set design and stuff was beautiful. And they even had these voiceovers at Pam that were done like old gangster noir movies. Like this must, they probably did these in Casablanca. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Um, but they probably did those kind of voiceovers there, like these old gangster noir things. So it was like kind of really interesting. And um, I liked all of the excuses to- make her look sexy like at one point she kind of has to go undercover as a hooker to get up in this guy's apartment and then he he's into like snm so he changes into this like gimp outfit with with a paddle and she takes a lot of baths and she gets changed a lot a lot of like sexy dominatrix outfits i remember actually being you know 12 or however old i was maybe younger and like trying to pause it to see her boobs like when she gets out of the bath and at the start when she's stripping 
So, okay, that's interesting to me because Ryland will tell me some of the things like that too, like about boobs and when he was younger and like, so, but you still consider yourself gay. You kind of, did you grow out of boobs? Um, yeah, I guess. Cause I didn't fully know then. So, and like I was saying about the whole playboy thing of growing up, like, yes, even though there was the, in, like, even though they had the internet when I was a kid, it wasn't the same as like every single person had a computer and had the internet and we all use it, you know, it was still kind of like hard to get. Um, so it was exciting to see like somebody naked. Cause you would, you know, people would go to see a movie. Like if they knew an actress was going to like get topless in a movie, like people would go watch it for that. It wasn't like now where like everyone's just on OnlyFans. So it was just very exciting to like see some nip. <laughs> wow. Do you think Pam will join OnlyFans? She won't at the moment, but if she fell on financial hard times, she would for sure. I mean, I think that more, like, I'm surprised that more mainstream people haven't joined it. Like, I guess there must be a downside of, like, they must have agents telling them, no, like, even if you're not getting naked on here, just the stigma is going to make you untouchable for brands or something. Because I feel like there's a lot of people, like, Spencer was actually saying, why doesn't Britney get on OnlyFans? Because she posts these, like, naked photos on her Instagram anyway. And, like, people just want to read her. Like, if Britney Spears went on OnlyFans just posting the same stuff as she does on her Instagram and her crazy weird captions and stuff, she would be making millions of dollars a month. Like, she would be making yeah. what she would be making if she went on a world tour on OnlyFans. Yeah. Just from oh, OnlyFans. I, I knew someone who was, you know, an internet person and they had an OnlyFans and it wasn't even sexual. It was like a little weird, but it wasn't sexual. And they were making like a million dollars a month. And I was like, huh? Like it's a world I just don't understand because even every time I've opened OnlyFans, it's so confusing to like, maybe I'm just a stupid person, but it's like, there's so many, like the card, the thing you have to put in all your information, this and that. And I'm like, I'm not doing any of that just to see a picture of somebody's boobs. Like I can just Google it. So, I don't understand it. But, yeah, there's so much money in it. Yeah, I don't think the interface is that great. I mean, I subscribe to a few OnlyFans people. Actually, I cancelled them. I cancelled a bunch recently. Well, not, not a bunch. I'm not – because it's, like, too much money. I don't – I always make sure that I'm kind of only subscribed to, like, two or three people at a time. Yeah, a lot of my people have have expired because I cancelled it. Jake Manson expired. The Chirac expired. Chirac's my favourite who I – Oh my god! I need to unsubscribe from him. Sometimes, sometimes you subscribe to someone and you're like, "Oh, I didn't want to see that." Um, yeah, the, the the interface is like quite quite clunky. I am subscribed at the moment to Larsa Pippen from The Real Housewives of Miami, and she was on Keeping with the Kardashians. But hers is free, but she tries to upsell you in the DMs, which a lot of them do. So. She'll, like, message, like, hi, how are you? And then if you want to, like, write her a message back, you have to add a tip to to get her attention. And then she'll try and send you, like, a selfie. But you've got to, like, pay $5 to unlock the selfie. So, they get money that way. Have you ever considered doing OnlyFans with Ryland to m- make some extra <laughs> cash? No. I mean, we have, like, an ongoing joke in our life, like with each other about it. Cause it's so like funny, not me, but him just cause like, he really doesn't care. Like he's had his nudes leak. He, you know, he is so comfortable naked. He really does not care. So he's, we always kind of joke that he should do it, but I mean, he'll never do it. And also I would feel weird. I feel weird that his nudes are out there because I'm like, 
somebody else can see that and like he's with me like but yeah but no judgment like it's cool that people can do it i also nobody wants to see that of me yuck <laughs> like, well ooh. i don't know like people people like people will pay for a lot of stuff on OnlyFans. Um, yeah, and I guess you're going to have a baby soon, so it's probably not the best about to be parents. Yeah, that poor, that poor child is going to have a lot of like, Daddy, what is this? And, you know, they're already going to have to, a lot of that. <laughs> well, you know, the next generation, though, is going to have to kind of prepare for, you know, because you see when like celebrities, when they did Playboy, like I saw Drew Barrymore said this recently, like, yeah, you know, I don't have any regrets about doing Playboy, but I never thought that I was going to become a mother, which I'm always surprised. They're so ashamed because it's like, oh, who cares if your mom posed like topless in them? I don't think it's that big of a deal, like especially if it's like Playboy, which is like kind of classy. But this new generation is going to have to prepare for knowing that they're like a lot of them are going to have their parents like sex videos and stuff like online via like only fans and just because it's become it's become so normal now to send nudes and like to be on only fans like people now that go on reality tv the pipeline is kind of like get on a show get a following and then monetize that via only fans so it's like mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of kids are going to be growing up with their parents' porn out there on the internet. Yeah, I mean, and also, who knows, in 10 years, 15 years from now, like, what is social media even going to be? Like, I feel like people are already not on Twitter. I feel like people are already, like, TikTok is such a weird not social media because it's, like, just random shit. Um, And who knows, maybe that generation will not, maybe they'll also just be so jaded by all of it. I don't know. No, I feel like we're going to keep getting into a place of, everyone's going to be monetizing themselves. Like it's going to keep going that direction of everybody's a product. Like even me having a mm-hmm. podcast and a Patreon, I'm like selling myself. That's why I never judge anyone on OnlyFans. Cause I'm like, how is that any different to me having a Patreon really? You know, ev- everyone's doing ads on, on Instagram and stuff. I literally think uh, as it goes on, I mean, basically everyone's going to be a sex worker <laughs> to, to some point. <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> One last thing about Barbed Wire we have to talk about is that there's this a villain towards the end of the movie. His name is Big Fatso, mm-hmm. and he's this gigantic black fat guy that is so fat he can't walk, and they have to get him around in a crane. And it's kind of racist because he's wearing – there's actually a lot of, like, weird little racist tropes in the movie. Like, he's wearing, like, a big African print thing, and he's eating fried chicken – in this crane and um, he ends up dying because um, (laughs) spoiler alert, Pam um, throws a grenade at him and then he's just, his fat chunks of him just go flying everywhere, but he's an icon. Which I'm, I'm 99% sure I saw chicken when he blew up. I think they literally put digital chicken flying out of him. Like that movie was so, and listen, nothing against offensive movies. I've made a lot of them myself, but it was very much like, wow like this is so crazy you know the fat suit was so crazy i didn't understand the crane thing until you just said that i'm like that's why he was in that thing because he was too fat to walk (laughs) like oh my my 600 pound life stuff um yeah they had other little weird racist things like at the start um when pam is going undercover as a stripper there's a chinese stripper but she speaks french for some reason and she's speaking french and and Pam's like, come again, like annoyed. And then this other stripper goes, oh, she's Chinese. And Pam looks at her like disgusted that like it's a Chinese <laughs> person. 
<laughs> it was so funny. I rewound. I didn't catch it. And you told me. So I rewound it like seven times trying to figure out, did I miss something? Or like, is she like, what, what does this mean? I think also, she just hated everyone. I also didn't understand that she was pretending to be a stripper. I literally thought she was a stripper. I really, this movie really went over my head. <laughs> they were undercover assignments because she had to pretend to be a stripper to get into the club to rescue that rich couple's daughter so she could get the bounty, the, the kidnap ransom for it. Got it. I didn't catch any of that. Okay, I see. They had they had another little racist thing where, because um, she runs a nightclub as well in town called the Hammerhead. It's like this rock club and um, people come to her wanting her to do jobs and this like Arab guy like in full like Dubai like chic outfit um, comes in and he- He's offering her $1,500 to cut off his wife's legs. So, it's like, like an honor killing or something. Um, she she must have disgraced the family. So, they had that in there. And then, obviously, they have the Nazis. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff like that in there, uh, which I loved and thought was hilarious. Did, did anybody uh, – okay, so I know it was a flop. But was it really? Because everybody said Stacked was a flop, but that wasn't. Like – did it really make? I'm looking it up. Did it really make no money at all? Yeah, check the box office. It must have done oh. well on like video rentals. Oh yeah. Okay, so it made it. It cost like thirty something million, and it only made three point seven. So yeah, that's not great. Oh. Like, was I it like number it ten? It, I wonder if it made it back on video because. The the story of Showgirls, um, one of my favorites, that, you know, famously bombed in theaters. And then when it got to home video, it started making all of this money back through video rentals because it was basically like a mainstream porno for a lot of people. Again, pre-internet. So, that's how people saw people naked and got to watch people have sex is going to the video store sometimes. So, it made a lot of money. So, I would have thought that guys would be renting barbed wire just to see like Pam bouncing around in dominatrix gear. But I don't know. I mean, I think they should remake it because I actually think the world that it was set in, this Steel Harbor was like really interesting. I liked um, barbed wire, the character. I liked how sexy she was because like they don't have sexy female um, action heroines anymore, like in video games or in like Marvel and stuff. I mean, they had- they did, like, female Thor with, like, Natalie Portman, who's, like, super classy. And, yeah, they just don't, like, sexualize female leads anymore. And I uh, – this made me miss having just, like, a big titty, like, Tomb Raider hot bitch going through kicking ass, you know? Yeah, sorry. I got distracted because I'm looking at the box office, and it's just so crazy to look back in time. Like, the week it came out, it was number 12, which is really not great. But number one was The Craft, which is so crazy to think about that movie coming out in theater. Like, that's just so long ago. But, yeah, they were number 12. And then the next week, it was number 13. And number one was Twister, which was such a huge movie. Like, this movie really didn't have a chance. (laughs) This movie's better than Twister. And I feel, I think that, (laughs) I don't know, maybe this movie will have, like, a second life now um, through, like, VHS and stuff. Like, I think I saw... I don't know, it was like Kylie Jenner or like someone like that. Megan Fox, was it? Someone dressed up as Barb Wire recently for Halloween. Yes, I remember that. I forgot who that was. 
I think this needs to have like a second coming. I mean, I paid $5 for it to buy it off Apple to watch for this podcast. So I don't know. I hope they reboot it. I love it. Um, what else are you, are you like? What are you watching on TV at the moment? Oh, what am I watching? Well, The Housewives, obviously. But then now I'm bored because so I started watching it backwards, which was bad. So like, <laughs> you know, they're Housewives of Beverly Hills. So now I'm at like season Lisa Rinna's first season. But it's so boring that now I'm like done. Like, I don't care. Yeah, that. OK, that season. Um the first half of that season is painfully boring, um, but then the second half is, like, incredible. So but That's the glass break, right? Where she finally- Yeah, that's the- Yeah, it builds up to Amsterdam and stuff. Because so. watching it backwards, I have seen that clip of her breaking that glass. I've seen it 700 fucking times because they play it in every season. And I'm like, okay, this will be the one. And then it's a flashback. I'm like, oh, my God, it's another season behind. Like, it's so annoying. So, fine. Okay, I'll finally get it. And then the whole- Okay, wait. What ended up happening with- what was her name? Jadid. Oh my God. Yolanda. Oh, Yolanda. So who was right? Because I like, did she have Hutchins, whatever, or not? M- Munchausen. Um, nobody knows. It was, yeah, it was very strange. Um, well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people now that are like making up having, I think people are making up having long COVID. I think people are making up having like ADHD and all of these things. But then I also think there's people out there that actually do have it. So it's really hard to know who's actually sick and who's not. And um, with Yolanda, I don't know. I think that it was more psychological because she was getting divorced to David Foster at the time Mm. and he was cheating on her and- no one knows you shouldn't have watched it backwards though because that's just crazy like <laughs> that's know. insane I um know. i don't know why you've watched it backwards also I the think early seasons are good too the reason i questioned it was because the editing was so shady like i don't know if you even remember this but during the yolanda thing every time she was on camera talking about being sick they would play like weird clown music like they really leaned into like there was one shot where i don't think she knew she was being recorded and she was like, you know, being normal. And then it was like, oh, Lisa Rinna's here. And then she like took her glasses off and t- put her phone down and tucked into bed and like got more sick. It was like, oh, it was, there was very weird things like that. I, I definitely think she has Lyme disease because I know that's such a common thing when you travel that much. So I don't think she's faking it. But the producers definitely were leaning into like, she's faking it. It was very weird. The audience took her side. Um I don't remember whose side I took at the time, but uh, yeah, but I was actually just re- It's so funny you bring that up because I was re-watching clips of it because I was listening to this other podcast, Rare Candy, and they reviewed this movie that I love uh, from the 90s with Julianne Moore called Safe. And basically Julianne Moore comes down, it's like with a, allergies sort of, but she doesn't know what to, it's just like sensitivities. And it's sort of like a Lyme disease where it's kind of like an invisible disease. And they're like testing her and they're not finding anything. And then she's getting sicker and sicker and like crazier and crazier. And then she ends up like basically sequestering herself on like a ranch. So like nothing's around her. Cause she thinks she's like allergic to everything. And the whole movie, you don't really know, is she really sick or is it all in her head? 
And um, it's a brilliant movie. Like, I recommend anyone go and watch it. But I was like, this is so similar to, like, Yolanda. And then I was almost thinking, like, God, should I do a podcast, like, talking about this movie and, like, the Yolanda storyline <laughs> with somebody? Because well, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was like that. What what else are you watching, though, like, besides Housewives, which, yeah, it is pretty boring um, now. I've kind of okay, stopped, so- obviously. I've been watching The Last of Us, which is interesting because it's weird to watch something that's, like, not bingeable. It's, like, almost making me watch it less or something. Um, like, I still haven't watched the new episode. Um, but I like I love it. it. though. It's really good. I really like the third episode. Like, I love that. Um, I wish every episode was kind of, like, a story about somebody. Because I like seeing, like, when the virus started and, like, how crazy shit got. I like seeing all of that. So... Um, the game's incredible. Um, I'm going to actually do, I'm going to do a last of us episode on the pod. And I'm going to talk about the games as well. The games are actually better. Like, I know that's like annoying to say, and people that haven't played the games have been like, oh my God, here you are like the video game purist, but it's like, uh, sorry, it's a fact. Like the games are like a fucking masterpiece deal with it. Um, but I do really like the show. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, yeah. Oh, I just been watching like, uh, well, now I'm watching Stacked. Before I got the DVD for that Tory Spelling show a long time ago called So Notorious. <laughs> oh my god, I, I remember that. that. It's yes, so fucking funny. It's genuinely funny. And I was like, wow, like she's a good actress. Why didn't she go on to be like an Anna Ferris type of person? Like it made me sad. She's really fucking funny. Um, she's a real hustler. I like respect that she always, she's I mean, she's like Lisa Rinna. Like she always kind of is able to make a job for herself and, and try something like even now she's currently doing the 90210 rewatches. And like that podcast is like really popular. Like she just wow. always has a fucking job. Is Lisa Rinna now on the talk? No, but she was like guest hosting it, but she's off housewives and I know she's like happy to be off. Um, I've talked to her a little bit and then I know people that have talked to her and cause yeah, the, the fans are such haters where they're like, Oh my God, like, you know, what a loser. She's off housewives. It's like, no, she's like glad now. Like I think she recognized that it was too toxic. You know what I mean? Um, I know, but what's the show going to be? It's going to be so boring. Like oh, people, well, the show will what, be shit, but that's what frustrates me about like, be fine. don't, don't, doesn't the audience, me included, like, don't we know that what makes a show entertaining is somebody like that? And when you take them out, it's going to be fucking boring. And then everybody's going to say, this is boring. And then, yeah, of course, like, oh, it's just so frustrating. Anyway, thank you so much for coming back on the pod. This was, this was so fun. You've got to watch The Traders, by the way, which I've been harassing you about because I know that you are going to be obsessed with that. Well, um, I just don't know what version to watch because you've told me, but then when I Google it, there's like seven versions. So which one do I watch? No, th- there's like three versions, really. Um, kind of like t- there's two relevant versions. The Australian one you only really need to watch if you go super fan with it. So there's the US version um, on Peacock, which is like half celebrity. It's still good, but the BBC version is like incredible. It's like one of the best. The UK BBC version is one of the best reality seasons I've seen in years. It like to me it has the vibes of like early survivor when like survivor was in its glory days. Like it recaptures that magic. Um, Oh, and I have it downloaded actually. So I can send you like Dropbox links for it or something. If you need it, if you can't find it, Um, unless you have a VPN, you might be able to watch it, but 
So I don't know, but the US one is still fun too. Um, just know that like the US one's not as good. So you have to decide like, mm-hmm. do I want to start with the one that's not as good and then get the better one? Or do I want to start with the best one first and then take a step down? See, but that was what I did with the housewives. So I don't know. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. You'll figure it out. Is there anything you want to plug, plug your podcast and stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. Go watch my podcast. Shane Dawson podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're not a great salesman, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> go watch Barb okay, Wire. It's very fun. <laughs> go watch Barb Wire. Go watch Shane's podcast. It's really fun. It's just guys like talking and doing, um, you do these like Mandela effects and conspiracy theories, but you do like fun conspiracy theories. I kind of wish you would get into some like problematic conspiracy theories, but you do the more like fun for everyone stuff that like- <laughs> Yes, we do them so YouTube doesn't shut us down. But my brother very much wants to do the dark ones. (laughs) So maybe maybe a Patreon or OnlyFans. We'll do them naked. Oh my God, yes. Yes, naked. Okay, coming soon. Naked Shane Dawson conspiracy theories on OnlyFans. (laughs) Guys, (laughs) thanks for listening. And I'll see you all next week with an episode about the traders. Bye.